Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Hey, well, good morning, good-looking people. How are you all this weekend? Hope you're going well. <laughs> Thank you for that enthusiastic response from the second row. I hope you're all going well, and it uh, is good to be together again. It's a glorious day. It is the day that the Lord has made, and it's a particularly good day if you are a Kiwi or if you are a South African. Any Kiwis in the house? Any South Africans? Uh, just a few. <laughs> yes, a good day indeed. And if you have no idea why, don't worry about it, right? Um, if you are here today and you are English, uh, we love you. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. And there will be prayer and counseling immediately after the gathering down here in the front. All right, so come on down and unburden your soul of your grief. And uh, we will pray against that spirit of defeat that is over your life right now. <laughs> Ironically, of course, next week it's going to be either the Kiwis or the South Africans who are going to be down here needing prayer, right? So uh, I'm, I'm very much aware of that. But because I believe in miracles, I believe it will be the Kiwis down in the front. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. All right, well, it's good to see you all again. And good to be together for week two of this very significant uh, campaign in the life of our church, which comes around every year. And every year around this time, we throw the spotlight on a command given to us in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, which exhorts us to be rich, be rich. And notice that I'm saying be rich, not get rich. There's a big difference. And uh, the Bible is encouraging us there to be rich in good works, to be ready to give and willing to share and to live out love in Jesus' name. And so that's what we endeavored to do. And last week, Pastor D did a wonderful job just throwing the spotlight on the call to give, which you have clearly heard and responded to. And what a wonderful uh, kind of result. And this week, we're going to be talking about the call to serve, the call to serve. And of course, serving is all about um, volunteering your time and your energy and your talent and your resource to love others. And in, in some way, serving is a, is a bigger ask than giving. Because I think it's easy to open your wallet and send your money somewhere you don't have to go. But when you serve, you send yourself. You send yourself rather than sending your money. And you invest your time, which is far more valuable than your money. You can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. And so the call to serve is a big call. It's a demanding call, but it's an important call. And it's part of what God is inviting us to do. And I love over in Judges chapter 5, verse 2, there's this wonderful statement that says, When leaders lead in Israel, and when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Right? When leaders lead, and the people willingly offer themselves. Some translations say when they volunteer. When they freely give of who they are and what they have. Bless the Lord. In other words, the writer is telling us here that when you have a situation where those who are entrusted with the responsibility to lead do so, and they do so enthusiastically, and they do so faithfully and fruitfully, and the people willingly offer whatever it is that God has invested in them, this is such a good state of affairs that we should celebrate it, we should appreciate it, and we should give thanks to God for it. It is a good thing. And of course, if you have ever been in the unfortunate position of being part of a faith community or a church where the opposite is happening, where the leaders are refusing to lead, or they're leading poorly, or they're leading half-heartedly, or they're leading indifferently, and the people are reluctant and unwilling to give up themselves, it is a terrible state of affairs. It's a tragedy because opportunities get missed, 
Time gets wasted, resources get misallocated, momentum is lost, and the mission of God in the world is undermined. And so when you have a situation like we have here at The Rocks, where our leaders, those who have been entrusted with the responsibility to lead us, do so faithfully, they do so enthusiastically, they do so with passion and commitment, and the people regularly, willingly give of themselves in this way, this is cause for rejoicing. This is a good thing, and we should give God thanks for it. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but part of the reason why God calls us into this place of service, volunteering our time and our energy and our talent, is partly because it's a reflection of God's own nature and character. I don't know if you realize this, but God is a volunteer. And the very volunteer spirit that is being kind of exemplified in this statement in Judges chapter uh, 5 verse 2 is exactly the kind of spirit that God himself operates with. Listen to Isaiah chapter 65 verse 2. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah in the first person. And he says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I. Here am I. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. In other words, what God is saying here is, hey, nobody asked for my self-disclosure. Nobody demanded it. Nobody even knew that they needed it. I freely and voluntarily made it available. I revealed myself to you of my own volition, of my own accord. And in similar fashion, Jesus over in John chapter 10 verse 18 says, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Jesus says, nobody's taking my life from me. It's not being demanded of me. I am freely giving it. This is an act of volitional capacity. This is me surrendering myself. This is me choosing to give of myself to you so that you can know this God who has freely disclosed himself to you. So the God we serve is a God who volunteers, a God who willingly offers and gives himself of his own volition. And every time we serve, we reflect and represent that God. And the truth of the matter is the mission of God has only ever been fulfilled in the world through those who are willing. Those who are willing to give themselves, to say yes to the call of God, to lay down their lives like Jesus did so that the plan and purpose of God can be served. Now, I reckon on one level, you know that. You get that. And you really don't need me to persuade you of that today. I am fully convinced that part of the reason you're sitting here this morning is because you are already convinced that life cannot just be about you. It can't just be about your own convenience and your comfort and your safety and your well-being. And I would honestly be astonished if you were sitting there right now thinking to yourself, Tim, you know what? I don't want to be known as somebody who serves. I don't want to be known as somebody who's selfless and giving and generous and somebody who uses their life to save. No, I just want to be known for my selfishness and I just want to live for myself and my own happiness. Now, you might be sitting there thinking that to yourself, but I'd be like, really? Like, I'd be seriously astonished if that was the case. I am fully convinced that part of why you already here is because you are persuaded that life is about more than you and your comfort and your convenience and your happiness and your security, that a meaningful life and a rich life and an eternally significant life is about living for someone and something bigger than yourself and giving yourself sacrificially to that cause. And so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir already here this morning. So I'm not going to take a lot of time to persuade you on why serving is important and why serving is valuable and how serving changes your life and impacts the life of those you serve, I'm, I'm assuming that you're already on board. Like, you already agree. You've already said, yes, I get that, right? 
What I want to do this morning is I want to come at the serving thing from a slightly different angle. And I want to talk not about why we serve, but about how we serve. Because how we serve has a profound impact on how people experience our service. And how they experience our service determines whether or not it's effective and whether or not it achieves what God intended it to achieve. So I'm going to just assume you're on board, that you are ready to go. And we're going to talk today about how to serve fruitfully and effectively so that we represent God well. And there are four aspects of serving that I want to highlight, four approaches that are going to help all of us serve in a way that's fruitful and effective. All right, so here we go. Number one, the first is this, to serve with gladness. All right, to serve with gladness. Not madness, not badness, not sadness, to serve with gladness. Over in Psalm 100 verse 2, David, the Old Testament psalmist and king of Israel said it this way. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. That is the best way to serve God, with joy and with enthusiasm and with willingness. When I talk about serving gladly, I'm not just talking about serving with a happy heart. I'm talking about serving willingly. If I say to you, I will do that gladly for you, what I mean is I will do that willingly. I'll do it enthusiastically and I'll do it joyfully, but I'll do it willingly. I'm not going to do it begrudgingly. I'm not going to do it out of obligation. I'm not going to do it because I have to. I'm going to do it because I get to and because I want to. There's an element of willingness to it, right? And here's the point. If the way you serve other people leaves them feeling like they owe you something, you're doing it wrong, right? If how you serve people leaves them feeling indebted to you, you've kind of missed the point. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'm pretty sure it probably has. But have you ever found yourself on the receiving end of somebody's service and the way they serve you leaves you feeling like you're indebted to them, like they've done you a favor, like you owe them something, right? They do it in, in such a way that the energy with which they do it is begrudgingly and they, they're kind of doing it as, a, as a, an act of obligation and, and they leave you feeling bad about the fact that they have served you. Anybody ever experienced something like that? I'm pretty sure you have, right? You know how that feels. And does it feel good? No. Is it liberating? Is it empowering? Is it encouraging? No. In fact, I would say if you're going to serve me in such a way that makes me feel obligated and indebted to you, I'd rather you not serve me, right? Just leave me alone, okay? And that's not the effect that we want to have on people. We don't want people to feel obligated and indebted to us by how we serve. And yet if we serve with, with a kind of indifference in our heart, or if we serve begrudgingly, or if we serve out of necessity, or we serve because we have to and don't really want to, that's how they're going to feel. And that's not how we want them to feel. Uh, the other day I was buying groceries at uh, a store not far from where we live. The store shall remain nameless. And there was a guy behind the counter, and I got to the counter to pay for my groceries. And I, I don't know what was going on in this guy's world, but he looked as miserable as sin. Like, he, it looked like he had been sucking on lemons all day. Now, I'm trying to give him benefit of the doubt because maybe he had a really bad day. Maybe he's had a bad week. Maybe he had a bad life. I don't know. But he just did not look like he wanted to be there. And, and, and everyone could see it and feel it. And so when I got to the counter, I, I'm trying to make conversation. I'm trying to be pleasant and <laughs> polite. And he was just getting more annoyed. And, uh, and you could just see he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be doing that job. He, didn't, he just didn't want to be there. And I thought to myself, what a tragedy. Because not only is he representing himself poorly, but he's representing this company that he works for poorly. And I'm pretty sure if his boss saw how he was serving, he'd be in big trouble, right? And it kind of leaves a bad aftertaste in your mouth when you're on the, on the receiving end of somebody's service and you know they don't want to be there. They're just doing it out of obligation. They're doing it out of um, some sense of duty. 
And we have to remember that when we're serving out there in the community, whether it's our city or our neighbors or our friends or our work colleagues, we are representing something much bigger than ourselves and someone much bigger than ourselves. And how we serve in some way represents who we serve. And so if we're out there serving the kingdom of God and serving Jesus, we don't want to be serving him begrudgingly. We don't want to be leaving people thinking that we're doing them a favor. Right? We want to serve them gladly and enthusiastically and with a joyful heart. And we want to do so willingly. Because when we serve that way, what it does is it leaves people feeling encouraged, leaves them feeling inspired. They feel valued. They feel relieved. They feel released. They feel um, liberated. And that is exactly how we want people to feel when they're on the receiving end of our service. Can I get an enthusiastic amen to that? Amen. amen. All right. Number two, the second way in which God would have us serve, if we're going to serve fruitfully and effectively, is to serve with excellence. To serve with excellence. Now, what exactly do I mean by that? Excellence is an interesting thing because there's some kind of subjectivity to defining exactly what it is. Like if I asked you, what is your single sentence definition of excellence? I wonder what you would say. How would you answer that? Think about that for a moment. If you had to write a one-line definition of excellence, what would it be? I reckon some of you might say, uh, excellence is going above and beyond. Excellence is going the extra mile. It's doing more than is expected. Uh, others would say excellence is performing to a really high standard. Excellence is being superlative, being exceptional. Uh, others of you might say excellence is doing the best you can with what you have at your disposal, regardless of the outcome. And all of that would be true. Like all of that is a reflection of this attribute of excellence. But here's the thing about excellence. When you pursue excellence, it sets you apart. It causes you to stand out in a really positive and a good way. Um, over in the Old Testament, there's a, a wonderful character by the name of Daniel, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And some of you will be familiar with his story. Uh, Daniel, when he was like in his late teens, early 20s, so in the prime of his life, he was living in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonians. And the Bible says that they raised the city to the ground, they killed a lot of people, and they took Daniel and some of his peers captive, and they led him off into captivity into Babylon. And because Daniel was one of these kind of bright, intelligent young men, the king singled him out and chose him to serve in the king's palace. So here's Daniel in the prime of his life with his future ahead of him, and he has been taken a prisoner of war. And he's put into service in the household of a foreign pagan king. And honestly, if anybody had the right to be miserable and uh, to give up on his life and his future, it was Daniel. But he chose not to. And Daniel determined in his heart that he would remain faithful to God and that he would serve God faithfully and excellently in that environment that he found himself in. And listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps, the other royal rulers, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Right? That's what excellence does. Sets you apart in a really good way. And so here this pagan king sees this Hebrew Jewish boy and says, this boy is serving with such excellence and such commitment that I'm, I'm considering putting him in charge of the whole kingdom, right? That's, that's pretty impressive. So when we serve as followers of Jesus out there in the community, we want to serve with excellence in such a way that it impacts positively the hearts and minds of those who may not know God and may not serve God, but are seeing our representation of God through our service. Now, in a lot of ways, pursuing excellence should be like brushing your teeth. 
And by that I mean, you should do it because it's a good thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do. Not because it's something we celebrate. Nobody celebrates brushing their teeth. Unless you're three years old and you're doing it for the first time by yourself, right? Then you might want to celebrate it. But, but nobody celebrated brushing their teeth this morning. You just did it. Because it's a good thing and it's the right thing to do. And it's the same with excellence. We pursue excellence not so that we can hold it up like a trophy and pat ourselves on the back for how excellent we are. We don't celebrate our excellence. The goal of excellence and pursuing excellence is so that other people can have an excellent experience. So that their experience of our service is positive and life-changing and transformative in the right way. So excellence is a value that we hold deeply in our hearts. We, we pursue it, but we don't celebrate it. But we understand how significant it is because it impacts people's lives. And let me give you five things that excellence does. I'm not going to elaborate on them. I'm just going to mention them. Five things that excellence does. Number one, pursuing excellence honors God. Right? God is a God who is excellent. In fact, in Psalm 8 verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. God has an excellent name. And it says in Isaiah 12 verse 5, Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. Right? The God we serve is a God of excellence. He does excellent things and he has an excellent name. So when you pursue excellence in your serving, you are honoring God and you are representing him faithfully and accurately. Number two, pursuing excellence inspires people. Uh, why do people spend $300 to go and see a Cirque du Soleil show? Oh, well, they do it because the people who perform in that show do so with such a high level of excellence that it inspires and motivates you. You sit there and you are in awe, you are in wonder at what they are capable of doing and you feel motivated and inspired. You might even go home and do a few flick flacks in the backyard and kind of get your performing arts on, right? It's inspiring when you see other people doing excellent things, right? It inspires people. Thirdly, pursuing excellence prevents entropy. Entropy. Now, what is entropy? Entropy is a force, if you like, at work in the world. And I'm not a scientist, so I might get this like slightly, slightly wrong, but but entropy is a force. It's related to the, the, the laws of thermodynamics. I think it's the second law of thermodynamics, which essentially says something to this effect that in any system, right, the larger the system becomes, the more rapidly energy dissipates within that system. And so the system kind of moves toward chaos. And the larger it is, the more complex it becomes and the more energy is required to kind of offset entropy. And so I can explain it to you this way. If, if you, say, made a decision that for the next 12 months, you're not going to mow your lawn, you're not going to weed your garden, you're not going to clean your house, you're not going to wash your car. And you came back 12 months later, what do you reckon your house would look like? Chaos, right? It would be chaos. It would be a mess because that whole system that you live in would tend towards chaos if you did not apply energy to counteract it. So part of your responsibility, parents, moms and dads, is to counteract the forces of domestic entropy that your children bring into your world. <laughs> I do it all the time. My kids are like two forces of nature, like a hurricane and a typhoon. And you let them loose in the house, and before you know it, just domestic entropy, chaos everywhere. So part of my responsibility as a dad is to help counteract that entropy and that chaos, and that's what excellence does. It works against the forces of chaos and entropy. All right, number four, pursuing excellence brings out the best in you. When you pursue excellence, you discover that you are more resourceful than you thought you were. You are actually more capable and competent than you gave yourself credit for. You're capable of doing more. It brings out the best in you. And number five, pursuing excellence brings out the best in others. 
When you act excellently and expect excellent things of the people around you, it brings out the best of them. It lifts their game too. And they perform in a way that is higher or greater than perhaps what they expected of themselves. And so excellence is a good thing. And excellence is something we should serve with because it honors God, it inspires people, it brings out the best in you and me, and it pushes back those forces of chaos and entropy. All right, number three, if we're going to serve well and serve effectively, we've got to serve with love. Serve with love. Something you'll notice about Jesus in the Gospels is that Jesus was constantly surrounded by people. And for the most part, like needy people. People who were hungry, people who were hurting, people who were diseased, uh, people who had all manner of, of need and want. And yet Jesus never became resentful or bitterness or resentful toward them and never lost the feeling of compassion and empathy that he had for them. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, when he saw the people, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the point here, friends, is simply this. How you see people is going to determine how you serve people. How you see the people is going to determine how you serve the people. So if you see people as an inconvenience, if you see them as an annoyance, if you see them as a burden or an obligation or a pain in the behind, guess what? You're going to serve them with resentment and with indifference in your heart. But if you see them as made in the image and likeness of God, if you see them as worthy of respect and honor, if you see them as deserving of God's goodness and grace, then you are going to serve them accordingly. And you will serve them gladly and you will serve them excellently. And you will serve them with love in your heart. And really for those of you who are actively involved in serving already, those of you who are involved here at the Rocks or out there in the community serving other people, you need to be aware of this because there's a very real risk that in the process of giving yourself to others, that you can lose that compassion and you can lose that sense of empathy and the feeling that you have for them. Because there's a very real phenomenon called compassion fatigue. And it's the sense of weariness that you feel in your soul because your soul is bombarded every single day by sound bites and images from all around the world of every catastrophe and disaster and adversity and difficulty happening somewhere on the planet. And we just do not have the emotional capacity to deal with all of it. Nor do we have the practical resources to be part of the solution to all of it. But every single day, your soul is bombarded by all that need. And you can find yourself growing weary in well-doing. You can, you can become hard-hearted. And this is where we need the grace of God. And maybe this needs to be your prayer today. Is get before God and say, God, would you soften my heart again? God, would you help me to see the people the way you see the people? Will you allow me to feel again? To feel tenderness, to feel compassion, to feel concern. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you were moved emotionally for the people you serve? When was the last time you shed any tears over the people that you give yourself to in whatever capacity you serve them? That tenderness, that compassion, that empathy is such an important part of serving. And, and if you feel your heart has grown hard and your soul has become weary, then maybe you just need to get before God today and say, God, help me see again in a fresh new way. Help me feel what you feel for these people. Because there is something about love that is effective, that is about feeling. Very often we say, you know, love is a choice, or love is a decision, or love is a verb. And, and that's true, right? Love is often a decision you make to behave in a certain way. But there is an aspect of love that's about heart and feeling. Which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, he says, If I gave everything I had to the poor, 
and even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love, I would have gained nothing. Right? Paul's saying, you can give everything you have to the poor. You can give your body in sacrificial service to those who are in need, but you can do so completely unlovingly. You can do it without love. It's possible. It's possible to serve without loving. You can't love without serving, but you can serve without loving. And we don't ever want to find ourselves in a position where we are serving but not loving because that's not the kingdom way. That's not the Jesus way. Jesus serves as an outworking and expression of love, and so should we. So maybe just do a little heart check this morning, right? God, search me, know me. What is the state of my heart? And if necessary, pray for God's tenderness to make its way back into your heart. And then fourthly and finally, to serve with surprise. Uh, if we are going to serve in a way that empowers and inspires and motivates and releases and, and really impacts people positively, we've got to learn the power of surprise. There's something incredibly delightful and enjoyable about being surprised. Think about it. When was the last time somebody did something for you that was completely undeserved and completely unexpected? And I don't mean something negative, like, you know, punch you in the face or steal your money. <laughs> I mean something positive. When was the last time somebody did something positive for you that was undeserved and unexpected? How did that make you feel? What did that do for your soul? How did you feel about that service? And the element of surprise is such a simple, easy way of taking your service from ordinary to extraordinary. And as someone once rightly said, often the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. And so you know what that means? If your task is to wash somebody's car, why don't you take it down to the service station and fill it up with petrol as well? That'd be a nice surprise. Right? If you're, you're on barista duty and you're making coffees and somebody orders a hot chocolate, why don't you pop a couple of extra marshmallows in that hot chocolate? Right? Everybody loves a marshmallow in their hot chocolate. Surprise. Right? If you've been tasked with mowing the lawn, why don't you weed the garden as well? Find something to go above and beyond, to gift somebody with something. Surprise them. Do something they didn't expect and didn't deserve because it will take your serving from ordinary to extraordinary. And so, friends, the truth of the matter is all of us are called by God to serve, but why we serve and how we serve are infinitely more important to God than when we serve and where we serve. What you do and where you do it is of secondary consideration or concern to God. God is primarily concerned with why and how. The motivation and the method. Because those two things significantly transform how other people experience our service. And at the end of the day, we want people to experience our service in a way that inspires them, motivates them, liberates them, sets them free makes them feel valued, makes them feel loved, makes them feel cherished by God. And we're only going to do that if we serve gladly, excellently, lovingly, and surprisingly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to close off our time together in prayer, as is our custom here at The Rocks. But before we do that, I want to just take a minute to introduce you to our serving partners, the organizations that we're going to be joining with over the course of the next couple of weeks. And these are the organizations that we're inviting you to sow your time and energy into. Now, some of you have already been involved with these organizations and currently serve with them. Others of you will be doing so for the first time. But these are all organizations that we work with, that we love, and that we uh, support. And you're going to get 
an opportunity to sign up and, and join them too. So the first is the crew, which is a charity down in Rockingham, and they spend their time and energy uh, putting together meals and clothes and other resources and support for homeless people who are preparing to kind of make their way back into the workforce. And so they're looking for people who can help prepare meals. Uh, they feed over 125 people every week, and they're looking for people who can come and help prepare those meals and serve those meals, as well as pack food hampers. All right, we're also partnering this year with Pregnancy Problem House, which is a wonderful organization that comes alongside women who are experiencing any kind of difficulty with their pregnancy. Very often, pregnancies are very exciting and, and joyful and happy time of life, but for, for some, it's a very challenging and difficult and complex time for all sorts of reasons. And so Pregnancy Problem House comes alongside women and supports them in very practical ways. And so we're looking for people who can help put together baby bundles and layettes. I don't even know what a layette is, right? But apparently babies need it. And uh, we want people who can help clean and set up the baby boutique and do some gardening and some maintenance on their Hamilton Hill facility, which is having an open day coming up soon. So there's also a need for long-term counselors and mentors. If you can come alongside ladies who are um, navigating pregnancy and particularly single ladies and provide support emotionally and wisdom and advice, that would be greatly appreciated. So Pregnancy Problem House. Then we're also supporting and coming alongside Lilia Haven uh, this year. And Lilia Haven, like Pregnancy Problem House is an organization that's designed to support particularly single women who are navigating um, pregnancy and the difficulties around pregnancy and providing kind of halfway accommodation. If, if these women do not have a safe or stable place to stay, then they provide accommodation as well as other support. And so we're looking there for um, meals, uh, fresh meals or refrigerated or frozen meals that can be served. You can make them at home and deliver them here to the church and then we'll make sure they get to the uh, organization. So if you're a great cook and you, you cook with great love, then this might be for you. Then we're also joining with Operation Christmas Child, which is an initiative of Samaritan's Purse. We do this every year, and again, it's a wonderful organization to work with. And what we need people to do is to inspect and help pack uh, children's Christmas hampers. And these hampers are being sent around the world to uh, children who find themselves in conditions of poverty and lack so that they can have a significant and special Christmas too. So if you reckon you can uh, help do that, that would be deeply appreciated. And then for those of you who love getting outdoors into the sunshine and the fresh air, we're partnering again this year with the Canning River Regional Park Project. And this is an initiative that our city runs to uh, ensure that our, uh, our green spaces are free from kind of invasive plants and weeds and so forth. So you'll be getting out into the dirt. You'll be rolling up your sleeves and getting in the mud and pulling out weeds and making sure that our fauna and flora uh, are natural. And so you can join them if you're keen to do that. And then finally, the Ebenezer Aboriginal Foundation or Corporation, which is an organization that provides an array of services to Aboriginal folk in our community who have particular needs and challenges. And so we're looking for people who can help with maintenance, like physical maintenance of their offices and uh, other serving opportunities that they're going to make available this week. So uh, what you'll see up on screen now is a QR code. And what I'd love to invite you to do is to take a moment before we leave today to just whip out your phone. You can either screenshot that or take a photo of it and follow through to the link. That QR code will take you through to the rocks.info, to our serving page. And all the information about the opportunities are there. You can also provide your details and let us know where you'd like to serve. And if you're not entirely sure about where you'd like to serve, just give us your details and the team will be in touch with you this week to work out what's the best fit for you. What does your time allow? What does your energy allow? And where would be a good place for you to plug in and serve? But once again, the goal this week, as it was last week, is 100% participation. 
we just want everyone to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Uh, I'm making myself available, and I'm going to give some hours to serve these organizations this year. And that would be a good thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.